What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua Stein of the J. Stein Law Firm in Atlanta, Georgia, and welcome to the next episode of Sports and Torts, where each week we sit down with our friends, peers, and colleagues and talk sports, law, and business. If you are a sports, if you are a sports fan, and if you are a baseball fan specifically, these last few weeks have been absolutely bananas. From the lockout to the agreement from the CBA to the free agent signings, we've had just about everything. And if you're a Braves fan, the drama has been even higher with everything surrounding Freddie Freeman. And frankly, I've just been dying to get on here and talk about it. There are many Braves fans out there, I know, but there are few that have both the passion and the background as both a as, as the knowledge of a player and as a coach as our guest joining us today. Our guest was a high school baseball teammate of mine at Walton High School who went on to play college baseball at Berry College in Rome, Georgia. Like I said, he now coaches Little League, and in addition to his corporate job, he has joined Standout Baseball, which is a really cool company that provides online training curriculum for youth baseball players designed to help them build confidence in themselves and to improve their performance. So yeah, this dude really knows baseball, and by the way, he has a great first name. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend, Joshua Granat. Josh, thanks for having me, man. Looking forward to talking some Bravo shop today. Uh, me too. We've, we've been going back and forth for about two weeks, uh, dying to get the chance to do just this. Uh, like I said, the, 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 you know, what's going on in, in the baseball world and the Braves world is just too much to take in, and we're going to try to unpack it the best we can today. It's been a crazy week. We have one hour. Good luck to us. Let's go. <laughs> Let's, go. Let's go. Let's get going. Let's get going. So, like I said, we, we, we played baseball growing up. Uh, your career went further than mine at Barry. You have great memories of, of baseball. I mean, it's still something so important to you. It's been a part of my life since I was just a child. Um, and I never really gave it up once I got done playing. Um, got involved in coaching different teams even before my kids were born. So grew up here just like you did. Um, been a Braves fan since I could walk. And um, so, yeah, baseball has been a, been a big part, not just in having fun with it, but the life lessons. And your whole family. I mean, I remember your dad was always out there. Your brother played baseball. You know, we've been going to Braves games for years. Um, like I said, you had a very successful baseball career, my friend. Yeah, it went pretty well. Um, you know, I got the opportunity to, to start as a freshman and, and play all four years up at Barry. Made some great friendships up there. Um, had some great times. So Now, I, I saw a lot of your stats at Barry. I talked to a lot of your teammates at Barry, and you were a – I mean, I'll just say it. You were one of the better players on the team. You were you were a leader in in lots of offensive categories. Uh, one of the you know more accomplished players. So everybody has this vision for you in college as one of the best, right? Yeah, I I worked at it. And now, now the reason I say that <laughs> is because I'm trying to set up the comparison to when we were juniors in high school. Oh yeah. And our our teammates uh, and our coaches probably didn't feel the same way about not only your ability but mine. No. Uh, I got to tell a quick story. We, we were juniors in high school, and our team was absolutely loaded. 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 We ended up finishing second in the state. We lost, you know, best of three to Parkview. But, I mean, you and me, like, good players, but we weren't, we weren't cracking that starting lineup. Nope. And we were probably, what, 24 and 25 on the roster in terms probably. of? <laughs> in terms of at-bats, yes. That's, yeah. that's where we were. And uh, we were in the semifinals. I'm sorry I'm embarrassing you with people who, you know. But uh, we were usually the last two to hit right oh, yeah. uh, in, in in the cage and this particular time we were hit take, taking batting practice off uh away from where the game was being played 
And so yeah, some as, city park. As, as, some, as, as I remember it, me and you were hitting and we look up and the damn team bus was pulling out of the parking lot. Uh, you remember it perfectly. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> I guess they didn't think they needed us too much. There was no head count that day. They were, or they just look back and be like, yeah, we don't need those. We don't need those guys. We don't need those two. Yeah, we don't, need, we don't need those guys. But, uh, you know, man, you, you, you were a great player. I don't know why you didn't get the blame time. You didn't. But like I said, the team was loaded. But uh, that, that story always sticks out to me. It's just hilarious. But anyway, we, we move on. So Freddie Freeman, let's start with that. Uh, so many emotions about it. So many opinions. Um, he signed with the Dodgers. What is your, what is your reaction to all this today or Monday? I agree with that. So that's actually a great question back because my reaction, my feelings have been totally different. Yeah. Both. So, so you, you answer however you want. I got a text message. Actually, I take that back. I probably got 14 text messages on Monday. 14,000 yeah, probably. Probably letting me know about Matt Olson. And my first reaction was kind of a gut punch. You know, I've, you know, obviously being local here, you know, I'm raising kids here. My son's favorite player is Freddie Freeman. He wears number five. I wanted to see him be the next chipper and finish up his career with us. Um, So I was, it was like, man, what happened? And then of course, you know, you're looking at that relative to Matt Olson and you're like, okay, we got two years. So we're giving up these four prospects, getting two years of Matt Olson and we're leaving Freddie dangling. And at that time there was nothing that had come out of Braves camp or any reports. And so to the casual fan, you know, we're thinking, why did, why did the Braves do this? Right. Yeah, totally. And, and I, I love how you set that up because, um, my position on Freddie Freeman has always been until it didn't happen is that we had to sign him really at any cost. Oh, yeah. And I, I've, I've said that on this podcast. I've said it in videos I've done. I always felt the number to get him was six one eighty. That was probably too high, but I felt like that was something that would get the deal done. And I, I couldn't be convinced otherwise. And as, as time kind of dragged on, um, I was very worried that we were not going to sign him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start hearing these rumors about Matt Olson, who, honest to God, like I didn't really know much about him, right? I mean, he plays in Oakland. Nobody play, sees him. He, he plays play. in Oakland, yeah. And and then of course the Dodgers, the name popping up, and you know the idea of Freddie going to the Dodgers was just sickening, <laughs> right? I mean, of all the teams, can you like that's the one team that we didn't want it to happen, right? Um, and then when the signing comes or the trade comes of Olson, and we start looking at it, and and I think all of our opinions were kind of like. Okay, I get it, right? Yeah. No, and I think uh, I was excited about Matt Olson. Being a local kid, you know, coming back to Atlanta, he's younger. You know, I thought it made sense. And I was like, great, now let's see what we need to do to lock him up. Or the Braves going to pony up? Because at that point, I'm still thinking this is a Liberty Media issue of not wanting to pony up for a player like that. It's wild because that's the rap that Liberty Media always gets, and rightly so oftentimes, is just not willing to pay the money. And so you bring in Matt Olson. And then, by God, a day later, they time up the largest contract in Braves history. They moved quick. And I, I give AA so much credit on that. He had a plan from the beginning. You know, it took some emotions out of the equation. And I know we'll get into some of that a little bit later, too. But that news on Tuesday, I'm high-fiving. Like, at that point, I've gone from, uh, this could work, to what's next. Now we've, now we've got a plan. AA is an absolute wizard. Um, you know, he... He is he is joined, and I know you're not a George football fan, but you do appreciate you know Kirby Smart and his roster management, and and my friends all say like we just put trust in Kirby that his decisions are going to be correct. That's why I'm out with AA now. Everything he's touched so far has turned to gold, and so you know I th- I mean let me ask you this question: Do you think that when he made that trade for Olson, he knew he was going to be able to sign him to a long term deal? I think he had a strong inclination that he would be able to do so. I think so too. You know his agent's BB Abbott, Chipper's old agent. Um, Charlie Morton. 
Uh, a couple of other Braves have him, him as an agent as well. Oh, really? Okay. So there's a connection there. I, I just, I mean, I know there's there's certain tampering things you cannot do. Um, I'm not suggesting anything was done that way, but AA, I mean, he had to have a really good feeling about being able to sign him long term, or else that deal doesn't look quite as good. Agreed. I think that's the only way, and especially to the to the Atlanta fan, we needed to see that. Like we needed to see that there was a commitment, not just to signing a great player, but spending the money to do so. I mean, let's be honest. They spent more on Matt Olson over the course of his contract than they were willing to give Freddie. Crazy. I mean, that's, so, that's not a money issue. So what do you think Freddie, what do you think went wrong? I mean, I know, I know it's all speculation, um, but do you think something went wrong? Is there, is there a quote blame to go around or, or, I mean, what is your kind of takeaway about how this happened where he's not coming back to the Braves? I don't want to assign fault because at the end of the day, uh, from where, from what I understand the reports I've seen, Freddie had a contract offer in place. So if we want to put blame, Freddie didn't take it. Freddie waited or his agent, I should say, waited too long to respond. Um, you know, I, I feel for Freddie cause I feel like deep down, I think he wanted to stay. Um, you know, he's got uh, the most loyal legion of fans I've, I think I've ever seen for a baseball player. Um, so I think it was that. I think they overplayed their hand a little bit. I, I know that uh, good listening involves like some arguments and some back and forth. I don't disagree with one word you just said. My takeaway is exactly the same. If Freddie wanted to be back here, he would have been back here. And I don't know if it's disconnect with his agent. I don't know if it was, you know, he, he, he just wanted to bump that number up with some market, you know, activity. But I think if he wanted to be here, the numbers that I've read anywhere from, you know, Bray's doing 5145, 5150, like, that's pretty much what he got. It is. I mean, you uh, look up against what he got with the Dodgers and after taxes and everything else with California to Georgia, it is about the same. But I tell you, I think there just may have been an underestimation of the calculating nature of Alex Anthopoulos. I think you're right. Making decisions without emotion. I mean, look at the interview that he gave uh, uh, right after, sorry, right after the, uh, the, sign, the, the trade. It looked like he was going to cry. I mean, I think he was I think he actually did teared. cry. I think he was genuinely sad. It, it was a bizarre scene because you've got this blockbuster trade. You've got Matt Olson coming in and you got the GM that just pulled it off, like almost crying about it. But it was so raw and authentic and it showed really AA as a man. Um, I, he wanted to bring Freddie back if he could. But, but then in that once GM he, room? He made the decision that was best for the team. He did, and it's absolutely the, it's absolutely the best decision. And the, the the game of baseball, all the talking heads agree. And what's even more interesting is that in the span of 24 hours, the message boards, Braves fans, Braves country have kind of made that same conclusion, right? Like they like, oh crap, we're losing Freddie. To oh my god, this is actually better long term for the team. Twitter is a crazy place. I mean, you get on there on Monday and the reaction swings one way to by Wednesday morning, to your point, it's, it's joy. It's, Hey, Freddie, we wish you well, but uh, we love what we got. Yeah. And it, I just, I just cannot believe that within such a quick period of time, the kind of tea leaves have changed, you know? And I think Freddie felt that and he released that statement via Instagram a couple of days ago. That was kind of like, Hey guys, remember me, the MVP that won the world series like 15 minutes ago. Um, People are always going to love Freddie, but I do worry that there's a, a taste in, in folks' mouth about him and his legacy that can't be undone. See, it's still too raw. I mean, we're literally five days after this right now. Like, I, I think you get a year from now, two years from now. I mean, look back, Tom Glavin left. Look back, John Smoltz left. And not all the conditions and circumstances were the same. 
they all got brought back and they're all welcome in Atlanta and none of those guys will ever buy a drink in the city of Atlanta. You're right. And, and, and time we all move on, but him wearing a Dodgers uniform is going to be seared in our brains. That is going to be hard to, hard to unsee. I mean, I, I agree with you about placing blame. I think that's the wrong word. Um, and you correctly pointed that out. I think that maybe the better way to put it is how could this have been avoided? And I think how it becomes avoided would have been signing him last year. Or, or before his free agency last year you know, was, was, was in the process of happening. Um, and who knows? Maybe the Braves tried and Freddie didn't want to. Maybe Freddie's like, I want to test the market. I've never done it. You know, all, it's all speculation. I am so interested in that. I wish they would release like a day or you know, early on, here's what happened. Here's this step. Here's this step. And over the last six weeks, the daily communications. And just, it's so intriguing to, to try and understand where that is. There should be an ESPN 30 for 30. <laughs> I know, that would be great. I would watch it you know, on the loop because that's what's fun about, you mentioned Twitter, and what's also fun about this is like everybody knows somebody, right? Everybody's got a source. And I'm getting calls, well, my source said this, and Gosh. this person said that, and none of it turned out to yeah. be true. I mean, there was bits and pieces of it here and there, but you know, speaking of Twitter, because you brought it up, I mean, I, uh, I've never been on Twitter more in a week in my entire life. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, of course use social media a lot with, with, you know, posting about this podcast and my firm and maybe people probably get tired of seeing me on there, but I'm, I'm not a huge social media, uh, user in terms of like digesting other people's stuff. I don't go down rabbit holes. I don't spend a lot of time on message boards and things like that because I just try not to, but my God, this week I, I blew that. And I was just all over the place. And, you know, what I found is that there were there were several places you could go that were very reliable sources. And there were other places that were completely unreliable, um, obviously. Sure. You know, um, you know, the Atlanta folks that I thought did a really good job. Kevin McAlpin, his Twitter feed was was great. Uh, Dave O'Brien does a good job. He's got a good podcast. Mark Bowman, like those guys were pumping out pretty good stuff. And I'm sitting there, I'm just like, you know, refresh, 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 refresh. Um, and so, you know, if you're listening, looking for a good follow on Braze, like those are some, those are some people on the other side of it. Though, there's this guy. I think I said this to you a few times. His name was chop on Cordy. Yeah. You remember that one? So he posted something a couple days ago, right in the middle of it all. And it said, Freddie Freeman, you know, signs for, for whatever it was, six, one, one, doesn't matter. Um, and it was like the first one that got sent around, like, oh my God, they've signed him. Clearly it was some dude that, you know, has no idea. And right below it in the comment section, he was pimping out like one of those NFTs, <laughs> you know, he was getting people's attentions so that you would notice his, his, it would get shared. And then it's like, here's something you can buy. Uh, so we had so much fun with that this week. So Reestead, of course, is a, a good buddy of ours. Who's hilarious and so creative. And so all week he'd be seeing these texts. He's like, he'd be like, uh, Jorge Soler, three years, $50 million. Well, I have your attention. Let me tell you about this timeshare that I have for sale, you know, or Rosario, two years, $20 million. Now that I have your attention, here's some antique. I mean, it's just so funny. Uh, but that's the world we live in, in terms of, of information. Yeah. Twitter's a crazy place. Uh, I'm like you, I, this was a, a refresh week. Uh, let's just swipe down. Let's see this thing new. One thing I've learned uh, with deals like that, I, I usually don't trust the blue checks on Twitter on most topics on, on baseball deals. That's the source. So what do you think the right number for Freddie was? I mean, he got one, he got six, one sixty two. Um, that sum out right to you? The number that stands out to me is five. It's not a dollar amount as much as a duration. I mean, you look back at the contracts of, you know, these other aging first basemen that got all this money uh, and they just deteriorate over time. And you've got a, I won't say cash strap because the Braves are not, but they're not a heavy spending team. They're going to be in the, what are they now? 10, 11, 12 range for, for payroll. 
Uh, you can't have that much money locked up in a 38-year-old that's not performing. 100%. I mean, I think that teams have learned their lesson with the Pujols contract, Cabrera contract. I don't think you're going to see these seven-year, $200 million contracts to 30-year-old players anymore. No, because now you're seeing them to 22-year-old players and 24-year-old players. That's right. So I, I don't want to spend the whole hour on Freddie, but I do want to do one, one more kind of analysis of where is his legacy now, um, you know, with, with in, the, in the Braves franchise? Where does this leave him? Again, I think that's a question for five years down the road. I personally, I'm going to always root for Freddie unless he is playing the Braves. Um, I think he has done enough for the community, for the kids. I mean, not only was he a great player, like the kids love watching this guy play. He plays with a joy and energy um, that's, I won't say it's unique to sports, but it's very evident with him that he enjoys what he does. And I think that resonates with our young players. I agree. The, I've never agreed with you this much in my entire life. Usually this we argue weird. over things. This I never agree with you. I, I guess what that shows is that everybody's kind of on the same page. I mean, Taylor Clark, we talked to him, you know, he, he called, he called you right before we started recording this. And he's a baseball guy. He played in college and he had the same opinions we do. So it's just, it's just wild that, that that's where we've landed so soon from like, oh my God, the sky's falling. We don't have, we don't have Freddie. But I, I guess where, I, where I've landed in terms of his legacy is I thought that, I mean, for, for people our age, like Chipper was the guy, right? Um, I mean, you love Maddox, but you know we, you know what I mean, like with Chipper. Um, and I thought Freddie was going to be right there. Like he was going to go to Cooperstown. He was going to be a, a, a brave for his whole career. And it was going to be him and Chipper with the same kind of, same kind of story. And that ain't going to happen anymore. You know, and it makes me appreciate Chipper that much more about what he did. Yeah. Um, to stay here. I mean, there was a, an article that came out, I think I sent it to you or you sent it to me, um, about the reduction in salary mm-hmm. he took at going into his free agent year to yeah. allow the flexibility to bring on new players. He's, a, I mean, and I say this not saying Freddie's not a team guy, but Chipper wanted to win. He loved it here. And I think uh, when it comes down to these guys, I mean, Freddie, what was his first contract for? $125 million? Uh, at least. $125, I think no, it was it's, eight, it's, 125 yeah. something in that range. So let's say he takes five one forty. So that's $265 million. Am I doing my math right? What's the difference between that and 285, right? And, and, it's, and I'm not saying you don't chase dollars. Like, look, we're all entrepreneurs in some sense. But at some point, your location, your teammates, your culture and environment, if that's what's most important, then that's what you put first. God, I agree with you again. Um, I always looked at it the same way, you know, and it's an easy narrative. Like they already have that much money. What's that much more? Well, $20 million is a lot of money, you know, but when you start cutting up and agent fees and taxes and California, yeah, I, I, for me personally, it wouldn't be worth it, but you know, who knows? I mean, one day Freddie will have a microphone and he'll be able to give his, his, his thought of it. And when he comes to, to town with the Dodgers, he's going to get a good ovation. He's not going to get booed. I don't think, you know, in, oh, in, in, in the, in the NLCS and we play them in, in six months, like that's when it's going to get a little real, you know? I mean, for, from the Dodgers perspective, like they're going to win hundred games with him or without him. They're going to be the NLCS with him or without him. So let's just see how we can handle that when the time comes, you know, Matzik, Freeman, Bottom of the eighth. That's what I'm looking oh forward to. Oh my gosh. I'm not. There's not there's not enough to drink out there to make that happen. So so the Olsen trade, you 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 teased a little bit about your thoughts on that. Um, he's a local kid from Parkview. Um, you know, what was your analysis of him as a player, who we gave up for it, and how that trade's gonna shake out? So, I mean, being honest, that analysis happened this week because being in Oakland, never saw the guy play. Um you know, I knew he was from Parkview. I saw a couple of his highlights uh, from online the, from his Parkview days. 
Dude was a beast. Beast. I mean, absolute beast. And I mean, big lanky frame. Going to come in and play a great first base. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when I thought we were only getting him for two years, like, okay, let's see how this works out. Seeing him in long term, super excited. Um, you know, from everything that I've read, I think he's going to be a great clubhouse fit. You know, he's got several different local Atlanta charities that he's involved in that I've heard about. Just seems to be a good all around guy. And, you know, the Braves put a huge emphasis on character. And you look at the guys around, you know, most of the guys, I should say, around the clubhouse, like they fit. Yeah. And he came in, that opening press conference was perfect. He nailed it. He looks the part. He talks the part. Um, I think he's, I mean, you know, I think you don't want to say he's Freddie Freeman because no one is, but he's kind of that kind of mold, that kind of version, but four years younger. Right. So from a baseball perspective, it's just brilliant to bring somebody in that can step into the three hole, can play first base, can put up similar numbers. I mean, everything I've seen from, um, you know, MLB statistics is you got Freddie one or two, three and and kind of made in first baseman's war, that kind of stuff. And you got Olsen right there with him. Well, Olsen actually had a higher war last year than Freddie did, ironically. And he's got a couple gold gloves. um, And I just, I'm excited. I think he's going to, I think he's going to bring a lot to the table, uh, both offensively and defensively. So we're looking forward to what he's going to do. I agree. What I hope, I hope that the fans will embrace him, which I think that they will. And I hope they give him time. Like if there's a one for 10 that starts off the year or a five for 30, like, please, I don't want to hear people calling for his head. So his two biggest challenges in my mind, one is whether he wants to admit it or not, he's stepping into Freddie Freeman's shoes. I mean, that no it just is what it is. Yeah. And I hope he doesn't approach it that way. But the 42,000 people that are going to be at opening day, that's what they see. And the millions in Braves country, that's what they're going to see. And secondly, he's coming home. It's tough. That's it's tough. A, it's it does not work out. Minute. It does not work out well for everyone. Um, that could, you know, it sounds amazing. And I love the story. Um, I, you know, I just hope he has his head on right for that and doesn't put too much pressure on himself, you know, to, to become that hometown kid. I think getting the eight-year deal out of the way helps oh, for now, sure. now he's not playing for a contract he's got some time to kind of grow into the role um i guess the other side of that is he's got the finance the, the weight of the largest contract in braves history on his back too well, there's a third then there we go so you know we'll see i mean it, it, it's gonna play itself out i mean when i looked at what we gave up we gave a lot of capital to get him you got to give up something to give something back get something back um the way i looked at it was you know catcher lang am i saying it right shay langoliers you know I think that he was our best prospect, him and Harris. I um, saw him play last year at a game up in Knoxville, and it's an absolute rocket arm. Yeah. Love watching him. Love watching him throw the ball, and he started hitting the ball too. So No question, and, and you, you know that, that's going to hurt. But I guess I'm tempered a little bit by, you know, we just signed two veteran catchers to, to two-year contracts. So maybe, you know, we weren't completely convinced he's ready to step right in, and it was going to be another couple years. And so much things can happen in two years. that. Well, and you bought your time there, and you also have Contreras – uh, back there who has some big league experience. yeah that's the understatement but uh, solid defensively if he catches it um so you've got some options but again we're looking at 2024 2025 is when that need is has to be addressed by then somebody else will pop yep. up i I've, I've long since given up on crying over losing prospects I just, I mean, yeah, for all the Wainwrights that we lose, there's 15 more that never pan out to anything. I'd rather get the major league ready player now, know what you got, than betting on what something might be in a couple of years. Pache is a perfect example. How long have we been told that, like, he's the next center fielder? Watching him in the, uh, what was it, the, the COVID NLCS out there in Arlington, step in, make plays, 
hit the ball. If you had told me then that he was going to be included in this package, I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, there's no way that's happening. And it's like he forgot to hit. Yeah. Um, great defensive player, lots of mobility in the outfield. But he's going to hit ninth. <laughs> I mean, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, I, I like him. Um, I like everything about him. But I'm not sad that he's part of the deal. And then the two pitchers, like, you know, I, for every one pitcher that works out, 10 more don't. So I'm just not going to get overly upset about giving up pitching prospects. I'd have been more upset. I heard that, that Freed is who they really wanted. They wanted Freed and, and Langleyers. I'd have been very upset about Freed. But prospects, you know. So it's four of the Braves' top 14. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like Because, again, two of them, you get the lower level. I think they were A and AA pitchers. Um, to your point, you just don't know. And how many times have we talked about the Braves' depth in the minor leagues of pitching? And how many of these guys have come up and been mediocre at best? And how many championships did it get us? Zilch. Zilch. wasn't until last year we made all the moves at the deadline, which that'll be available again. So I'm good with it all. And the other thing about the Freddie move that, that really, I think, struck a chord with people is that it gave flexibility to make other moves, right? You're not locking up $30 million in one player. And so you had financial flexibility to go sign Rosario, to go sign Thornburg, who I know that, that you have a, a, an allegiance to and, and a good attachment to, we'll talk about. But, you know, that in and of itself, to me, is like the bonus of that deal. Sure. Was it, that's, that's a, I mean, so you, went, you were able to apply that to guys, not that will be ready later, that are going to step in. And Rosario is like, especially with Acuna out, he's going to be starting in the outfield on day one. Um, those relief pitchers going to be critical um, to keeping them healthy throughout the year. So I, again, like you do the math on the deal and on paper before the season starts, I love it. It looks great. hundred percent Rosario. God, that, that signing made me happy. Like we can't expect him to do what he did over 160, do what he did in the playoffs over 162. But he's just, to me, like left-handed bat, speed can can put him anywhere in the lineup plays a good left field like god that was a big signing well and i think uh, I, he's not going to perform at nlcs level i mean that's superman stuff nobody, can. Uh, nobody Babe Ruth couldn't barry bonds didn't, couldn't but first. you see a lot of guys that can come into atlanta and perform and i don't know if that's a factor of kevin seitzer and what he does working with these hitters um but they're able to come in and, and make a difference and sustain them. i mean look at jorge soler and what he did you know in kansas city versus what he did right after the fact um, so I'm excited to see what Rosero can do throughout the year. I, I mean, for $9 million, I expect something above average. For sure. So I try not to check my phone while we're doing these things, but my friend Brian Hampton, he always has very good stuff to send out. And so I saw his name pop up with, with, a, um, with an attachment. So I opened it up and it says, Chipper dropping some truth in Buster's most recent piece on ESPN. Ooh, about can't the deal. wait to so read. This is something that we were talking about. Like, you can't wait to read it. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but... Um, he, he said, and this is, this is me reading a piece from Buster Olney, quote, I told him, meaning Freddie, if you go to free agency and you get courted by all the big market teams, you're not coming back. I told him, quote, you're playing a dangerous, dangerous game. They will move on without you because Alex has a job to do. If he doesn't do that job, he puts his job in jeopardy. Damn. That's what we all kind of thought, right? I mean, that's kind of what we all were saying. And Chipper, God bless him, he will say exactly the truth and what's on his mind. Yes, he does. So sorry to turn, turn you off on your Rosario spiel, but that was important. And it, it's so topical of what we were just talking about. 
Oh, for sure. So thank you, thank you, Brian Hampton, if you're listening for sending that <laughs> over, and thank you, Buster Olney, for interviewing Chipper because those are that's good stuff. So um, the the Barry Barry guy who we just signed, talk about him. Yeah, so Colin McHugh has uh, pitched for the Astros most recently for the Rays. Uh, is going to come and step in in a uh, relief role, maybe some spot starts. So he's a, a product of Barry College, um, our first real major league stud that has uh, stuck around and made it. So all of us alum are pretty excited to see him in a Braves uniform. He's a local kid too. Um, so like, where'd he go to high school? Uh, I think it was Providence Christian Academy. He was from Lilburn. So what did Braves fans, what, what should they expect for him from him? A lot of strikes. He's not going to overpower anybody. If you're watching that gun, it's going to be around 91. Um, great slider, uh, changing speed on the guys and, and really just avoids bats. So you think he'll get some starts or be mostly bullpen guy? Well, it depends on how our starting pitching comes out. I mean, we, you know, look one through three, feeling pretty good. You know, he may fit into some of those spot start roles. Um, he did it early in his career. So when you say one through three, I'm, I'm assuming you mean Freed in no particular order. Freed, Morton, and Anderson? Yeah. Freed, Stud, he's the ace, no question about him. Anderson, that guy's only 23 years old or 24 years old. Love him. Love I knew you would love him. He's, he's your, that kind of guy. Well, he, he pitches to his advantage. He's tall. He throws it from directly over the top. It's really hard to pick up that pitch. And he's just got a devastating changeup. I used to tell our pitchers in college all the time, like, forget about your curveball. Like, throw it. Work on that changeup because the hitter can't see it. The arm motion, everything that comes at you looks exactly like a fastball. And it's 40 feet or 20 feet away from you before you realize this thing's nine miles an hour slow. And it just disappears. And that's how he misses bats. I mean, it's, he's not over. I mean, he's throwing mid nineties. It's not like he's clocking a hundred. He's, he's not a huge dude. You know, he's not somebody that is overly, uh, intimidating. He just gets it done. And his postseason stats, maybe you have in front of you. I don't, but, um, they're crazy. I mean, just in, in the, in the sure, in, in the sheer volume of innings he's already thrown and the success is crazy. I tell you, just going back to the World Series, he, and one of my favorite things about Ian Anderson, he's stoic. Like, you don't know if he's up by five runs or down by five runs when he's on the mound. And, you know, being able to see him celebrate after the game and, like, you see this big goofy smile, him smoking a cigar. It's like, oh, my gosh, this dude actually shows emotion at some point. Because on the mound, straight into the point, and I love it. So, so Muller and Wright, uh, the, those guys, they've, they've come up big in big situations in the postseason. What, can we expect them to fill out the back of the bullpen? That's a great question, Josh. I have no idea. I mean, we've seen Wright, I've, we've seen Wright be awesome. We've seen Wright get shelled. Um, you know, I wonder sometimes about his, not his mental makeup, but like, hey, can I be that strong on the mound and get these guys out and go after them? I mean, at Vander, he did it. You know, it's just a different game at MLB. Um, so I don't know what to expect from him. I got really excited about Mueller for the few outings that he threw last year. Got a little wild um, and started walking too many guys. Big, strong lefty. I mean, what's not to like about that? If you can get the ball over the plate, a lot of good things can happen. In short spurts, we've seen them have success. So I think it's a confidence thing, right? I mean, hopefully they've seen they can do it on the biggest stage. And so now they just need the, the consistency, like you said, throw strikes. That just kills me that these guys, you know, the, 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 the walks and the, the wildness, like you'd think that at this point in their career, they've got control figured out, but it's not easy. They're trying to be very perfect. They're trying to hit corners, not put the ball in the middle of the plate. And sometimes they nibble too much. Well, control is as much a mental game as physical. And it, no matter how many innings you've thrown, it can still get intimidating out there on the mound. Uh, one thing I'm really excited about, especially you've got uh, Colin McHugh coming in, veteran pitcher, um, very well-respected around the league, uh, bringing Charlie Morton back. Like, I think that's going to be one of the most underrated free agent signings 
uh, for this year. And not just because I think he's a great pitcher. You got a couple guys who can work with these younger guys. Because you're expecting a lot of a 24-year-old or 25-year-old Max Freed, a 23-year-old Ian Anderson. You know, uh, Wright might be 26 now. But these are all young guys. It's a young it's a young team. Uh, Dansby is the longest tenure Brave now. That blew my mind when I You know, it. and so someone like Morton, who is, he's, an, he's you know, he's been around. He's a veteran. He's, he's all those things. But he's not a loud guy, right? He's very quiet. Um, he leads by example and these younger guys need to learn from him because his career has been amazing. You know, the story with him pitching on the broken leg and striking out. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. And I think that he's going to be back for the start of the season or pretty darn close. Yeah. I heard the same thing. Yeah. And then I know that, that we've talked about, you know, before you like him, I want to like him. Um, he's young. Uh, do we see him as playing a big role in the rotation? Well, let me be honest. My favorite thing about, you know, no longer matters. His hitting? Yeah, his hitting. I love his hitting. Watching that dude drop bombs was awesome last year. Uh, so that's gone. But no, I love, his, I, you know, to say I love his makeup, I like how he approaches pitching. He goes after hitters. He throws hard. He goes, you know, he's not walking a ton of guys. He's just got to control that emotion. We don't need any more broken hands. Yeah, agreed. So I'm, I'm good about that. You, you, I'm sure we'll bring in another starter along the way from the minors or somewhere because you need seven, eight starters. The, the arms, we know it's going to happen. Bullpen, I feel great about. I mean, the night shift. Uh, I've got the shirt, our friend Garrett Nail. He's got all the, the gear. He loves all those guys. I mean, Smith, Mentor, Jackson, Matzik. Now you throw you know, these new guys in the mix. Like The bullpen is, is, was such a darn strength in the postseason. Um, the, you know, I think that's another, another strength of our team. Well, one thing we forget it was they struggled a bit during the season. Like, so, I mean, Will Smith, I think 95% of Braves country was ready to fire Brian Snicker because he would not take Will Smith out of that closers role. Um, obviously, Smith proved him right. Uh, they struggled throughout the year, but I think they really came into their own in pressure situations. I think they learned from that. I think so, too. And the fact that we have them all back together is great. Sean Newcomb, is he still on the roster? Or? Check today. He is on the 40. He is not so on the So what does that mean? He's not on the active roster? I don't see him wearing a Atlanta uniform ever again. I love him. Uh, I love watching him pitch. Uh, you know, you get a big guy like that that can bring it. Uh, you have a lot of expectation. Um, but again, he just, he didn't get it done. Yeah, he checks the boxes with size and he yep. throws 90 plus miles an hour. I mean, just lights it up. All right, so so now we've got Rosario signed. Our projected starting lineup is what? Not necessarily batting order, but in Acuna, I guess it'll be a minute before he comes back. But what, what, what are we looking like? So, I mean, just digging around the infield. You know, we've got Darno. Behind the plate, which I love. Um, Austin Riley, who He's your has boy. quickly become my boy. I just love watching that guy play. He does a lot of things right. Over there at third base, Dansby Manning, shortstop. And, you know, for everything I complain about sometimes with his hitting and uh, consistency there, the dude is money in the field. He's money. His approach out of there at shortstop is, is tough to beat. I get called a Dansby fanboy, and maybe I am. <laughs> but here's the thing about – this is why I always tell people about Dansby, and you can appreciate this. In, in, I'm going to say just in Georgia. I'm going to say just in East Cobb um, because that's where we all grew up playing. When you're five years old, what position is the best player on the team play? Shortstop. When you're six years old? Shortstop. When you're 16 years old? Shortstop. When you're 18 years old? Shortstop. Every best player, and then that pyramid gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and all these very good players like us and our peers, someone else steps above them, and you're – well, this dude is now the shortstop for the Braves. Like, I just have to – respect the you know what out of that that he's the kid from here that's made it and so call me a fanboy uh my my daughter loves him dana loves him for reasons different than i than <laughs> i do but um he's gonna hit 25 home runs play great defense and if he's hitting eighth or ninth for us hell yeah if dansby can live gap to gap as a hitter 
I could care less about the home run number. I love when he drives that ball into right center field. That's when you know he's on. And that average, I'd love to see him around 285, 20 home runs. And if he can have that kind of productivity with his defense at shortstop, we're going to be fine. But it's also probably going to price us out of keeping him. <laughs> Because uh, he'll be in line for a pretty big contract after a season like that. We'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, I think that that the flexibility again going back to the Freddie deal maybe allows us to sign him, sign Freed. We'll see. All right. So moving around the infield, obviously Ozzy at second. Another one of my favorites. Um, Everybody not, loves Ozzy. Got to love. Ozzie. What's not to love? I mean, the dude plays hard. He plays with energy. Um, he's gonna he's gonna do a lot of great things for us, and we've got him locked down. That's that's what's so great. I mean, there there's there's nothing there but uh, four more years, right? So it's gonna be. a a good, a good spot for us for the coming future. So I want to stop you right there because you made a great point. Um, we have a lot of these guys locked down. I mean, Albies is through 2025, 26, Riley 25-ish. And I want to say not not their age, but the year. Acuna, 26, yeah, maybe 27. Two options. You yep. know, Freed for a couple more years, Anderson a couple more years, Olsen through 29. Like the core of this team is not going anywhere. And when you compare you know the makeup and setup of this team versus, for example, the Mets, who are just – Steve Cohen is just, you know, Spend it, baby. spending. Sorry, Mark Glickman will, will, will allow you to come back on and give the Mets side of it. But from my perspective, I mean, I saw a stat. Maybe you sent it to me. Like the, the average salary of Acuna, Olsen, and Albies this year combined is less than Scherzer's. That says it all. It says it all. And it just, it just shows the way that our team is made up. And, and what is Scherzer locked in for? One year? Is that a one-year deal? Three. three? I think it's like a three-year, 140 or something. Yeah. I might be making that. Albatross. Up. I don't know. Again, Mark, we'll have you on and you can you can talk about it. But So obviously we've got uh, Olsen at first and then the outfield. Acuna will be back. Like I know. would not be surprised to see him in April. But what I, you know, and, and if you watch him swing, I watched some clips of him hitting in BP down at uh, spring training. Dude looks like he's on. Uh, so I, I have no worries about him. I think the thinking that I read was – with the April games, you're going to play so many games in cold weather, you know, potentially bad field conditions that I think the Braves are going to choose to be very, very safe and keep him out, even though he is probably ready to go. Maybe they can use him as a DH. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that, that, might, that might be the way to do it. I, I think I, but I am so excited to see him back in that box. That is going to be a great day. Uh, that first time he steps back in. And then of course we got Duvall who probably is lined up for the center field job. That's so weird to say. Because he doesn't look like a center fielder, he doesn't hit like a center fielder. But yeah, I mean, he and I thought he manned it pretty well in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's not your ideal defensive player out there, uh, just with range and whatnot. But he's a, he's a great player. He's a Gold Glove winner, not in center, not it's in center, bit, a little bit different not game. In center. So I'm, I, I'm comfortable I, I, I that he can that. man it. I'm comfortable he can. So man this it. new dude Harris who's coming up, I think is going to be the heir apparent. I don't. Th- I think Acuna physically center field would be a little much for him. I don't want to see him running around center field. I'd like to see him in right. Solaire is the interesting one for me because we all love Solaire. Everybody loves Solaire, as, as we should. I'm hearing that we might get him back. Really? I heard it was down to him and the Padres. Padres made a big sign today. Nick Adams, friend of ours, texted me that the, 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 Padre, the, the Padres signed some. I don't know who it is, but it, it, it led, led me to believe that maybe Solaire would come back. You know, if Azuna stays on the roster, and I don't want to go too much into that because that could be a conversation in of itself, but Azuna and Soler are probably too similar of players to have both on the roster. But if we can figure out a way to move Azuna and keep Soler, bring the whole band back, amen. I like it. I loved watching Soler hit. I mean, his numbers got so much better as a Brave. And, I mean, the obvious ones, you know, we all saw the home run in game six. Like, those numbers are great. His walk rate skyrocketed. His strikeout rate went down. His on-base percentage went up. So it was those little things that made him, you know, not just a home run hitter, but a contributor. 
And, you know, he seems like a good clubhouse guy. And I, I saw him in the parade uh, after the World Series from about 10 feet away. I don't think I've ever seen a larger human He's being. huge. He's Holy huge. cow. He's huge. At every angle of him hitting that home <laughs> run, I just can't get enough of it. Against. Well, the best was that when he hugged Ozzy as he, as he came back in, He's and Ozzy was coming up to basically his waist. Yeah. That, that's so cool. And then Jock, you know, he went and signed with the Giants, which is fine. I, I'm good for him. Um, he's, you know, that's where he's from. And uh, there's a decent chance he ends back up on the Braves in the deadline next couple of years and maybe wins another ring with us for postseason run. Anytime he comes to play in Atlanta, he will get a standing ovation. As he should. Yeah. He, he probably is, if not the most, one of the top few reasons why the, the Braves win the run. I mean, that Players Tribune article he did, you know, talking about like, we are those, you know what? Uh, He'll always have a very special, very special place in the heart of Braves fans. So good for him. All right. So, um, how many wins is this Braves team set up to have this year? What, what, what's kind of the floor and what's the ceiling? Well, I think it depends on what kind of luck they have as well. Um, I mean, well, that's, I see, that's, a, that's a cop out answer. No, no, no. I've, I've got an answer. I'm just looking for it actually. Um, you know, on the high side, I mean, I, I think they could they could crack a hundred. Right. That's wishful thinking. A lot of things have to go right. They got to stay healthy. Um, they've got to have players step up and perform, you know, the guys that we expect to perform, but then also some of these other guys uh, to make contributions, especially at the back end of the rotation. I mean, I think that's where they could get into a little bit of trouble. Um, if I had to throw a number out, I'm saying 95. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's in the 90s. You know, the Mets will be better. Philly's got Harper. You know, they'll, they'll be right there. It's going to be a tough division. Marlins, Nats, not really going to be there. But um, I think that they're going to be a playoff team, especially with the expend, extend, uh, extended, expanded playoffs. Um, I see no reason why they're not a division winner or wild card. So I think it's, it's you know, played out. Um, be healthy going into the postseason. If they don't make the postseason, I'll be disappointed. I think that's kind of like the, the minimum expectation is get to the postseason. And as we've all seen, like once you get there, who the hell knows what's going to happen? Any any team can make a run. We just saw that. Well, and let's be honest. I mean, as lifelong Atlantans here, uh, what did we do in the '90s? We won it every year. We expected to win it every year, and you know, most seasons did not end with a victory uh, in the playoffs. So, you know, a lot of things can happen down there. But I, I don't see any reason. I well, I shouldn't say that. I I would if you asked me to predict it. I'm saying they're going to win the division again. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, and I think that Acuna is going to have a huge year when he comes back. I think if you average his numbers out over the year, it'd be MVP type stuff. I think Ozzy's going to just keep getting better. Uh, you know, Riley is somebody who I know that you love, and um, really, you know, you've told me about kind of part of what you're doing now with Standout is he's like the the typical, not typical, but he's like the prototypical like example of what Standout can do for folks, right? And and like a good example of of what people need, how do people need to be playing the game? Yeah, and I think, you know, when he came up, he got ragged a lot for defense. You know, oh, he can't, doesn't have the range. He's making these bad throws. And, Franco, he did. Like, if you look at his percentages, you could see that. But you see he makes some great plays, too. That dude, though, has worked his butt off. Um, I, I, you know, haven't seen it personally, but I'm going to give Ron Washington a lot of credit. I mean, all the infielders are fundamentally Ron sound. Washington's my favorite assistant <laughs> coach of all time. Agreed. Agreed. But with Riley especially, you just you if you watch him and it's it's even more fun to watch him in person because when you're watching a you know on TV, you only get glimpses. If a ball's hit to a player, you know it pans over to them and you see them make a play. But when you see them in person, uh, you get to watch what they do between pitches in their approach to pitches. You know how they position themselves relative to what they think is going to happen. And I, I got to uh, sit in the Delta Club seats uh, uh, back in June of last year. And he made a couple of plays. And this dude's 6'5", what, 230? I mean, so he's, he's a big guy. He's got a lot of weight to move around. 
he moves so quickly on his feet and he's so efficient with his movements. He makes these plays that should be really difficult look so easy. And I don't think he gets near enough credit as a defensive third baseman as he should. Agreed. Agreed. Again, I think that I, I'm adding nothing to this conversation other than just agreeing with you, um, which is really scaring the hell out of me because <laughs> we've argued for years over baseball true. stuff, but I guess true. not this. So I, you know, I, in the yeah. begin in the beginning, um, I mentioned standout. Uh, hopefully I did it justice in terms of, of what you're, what it is. Um, but I, I do want to, to give you an opportunity to kind of talk a little more about that business, you, you joined an existing company with one of your teammates at Barry, um, right? And uh, I know that that for a lot of people that are in, in, in my network and, and hopefully listening right now, their kids are in that kind of sweet spot of, sure. of the ages where they're playing, you know, they're five years old up to 15 years old and everybody's trying to get better and everybody's trying to do the right thing. So y'all are kind of filling that space. Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to have some great teammates in college, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of this. And one of those guys uh, was a guy named Kevin Batista. Um, I came in as a freshman. He was a junior college transfer, a uh, spicy Puerto Rican guy. Uh, so like the antithesis of my boring white self. Uh, I don't think you're very boring, man. <laughs> Get a few drinks in you, watch the dance. And you're not boring at all. That's true. Um, he played short. I played second. We played together for two straight seasons uh, and really formed a bond with each other. And he went off from Barry, um, moved to Las Vegas, uh, got started as an educator, uh, spent 18 years teaching kids, being a dean of schools. Um, so really, you know, from that framework, got to see a lot of the child development side. Um, so taking that, he started a business called Standout Baseball, where he was training kids um, in fielding, hitting, working with kids locally in Las Vegas of all ages. Uh, ended up starting to work with uh, older kids, high school kids, did some travel ball, worked with several uh, major league players um, during that time. Uh, but ultimately knew he wanted to get out of Vegas and ended up moving back to Atlanta. Uh, we started having conversations about how I could get involved and, and really expand the, expand the platform. And it's right in your wheelhouse because, oh, yeah. I mean, pe people don't know by now from those last 30 or 40 minutes, like, you love baseball, you know baseball, and you want to you want to share that information with folks. So what y'all have done, and, and please tell me where I need to add some more stuff, but you have an online platform with tutorials that kids, coaches, parents can turn to to have some drills and have some instruction for their players. Yeah, well, one of the things that uh, in coaching my son and being involved with youth sports from the age of four up now, you know, coaching him in travel ball at 8U, um, there's a lot to baseball. And when you have kids exposed to it for the first time, and, and, and frankly, and a lot of times dads and moms exposed to it for the first time, there's so much to learn. And so what we decided is we were going to put together and kind of curate a series of instructional videos um, designed for fielding drills, hitting drills, uh, throwing and pitching drills that would make it really easy to understand some of the core fundamentals that a child can develop. So the platform that we have, you know, it's, it can be used for kids five and six years old. A lot of the drills can be done at home to develop some good basic fundamental movements of, you know, where to put your arm slot when you're throwing. Like we don't want to get these kids, you know, throwing with their elbows dropped. We can work on getting that arm up, extended, following through, coming over the top, you know, and helping them with that. But, it, you know, as well as the kids who are looking to advance, there's a ton of micro movements. And if you watch these baseball players, Austin Riley is an example. Look at, like, watch him in slow motion before the pitch. Look at his pre-pitch routine. Look at what he does. Like it's the same every time. 
there's consistency because these guys have practiced it and practiced it. The same drills that we do. Um, and so it's introducing these kids to the same things that are, these pros are doing like the, and that they idolize. Yeah. And I've seen you and I've seen uh, you and Kevin, um, the approach you take with kids, talking to kids, relating to kids. He's great. I mean, he, you know, he is so engaging and the kids just want to listen and learn and they're little sponges. Yeah. And, and then again, it's not just the, the movements, it's the kids developing the confidence to be able to trust those things. So that's right? the word that I was going to, going to bring up that you've, you've used with me oftentimes is you're trying to instill confidence in these kids. And what I tell Graham all the time is that if he, if his headspace is in the right spot and he thinks he's going to do well and he thinks he's going to get a hit and thinks he's going to throw, you know, throw strikes, he's going to, but the minute something like throws him off and I'm not just picking on him, it's most kids sure. that age. Um, they have a hard time getting back into it. And like, that's with me in golf. Like if I had one bad golf shot, I'm done. But confidence is something that you guys focus a lot on. Well, let's be honest. Uh, what do the best hitters in baseball do? Get out 60% or I'm sorry, 65 to 70% of the time. I mean, it's a game of failure and you have to be able to move through that failure and to look within, you know, the, the best thing for these kids is not to look back at mom or dad when they strike out or make an error or even looking at their coaches. I don't want them looking at me. I want them putting their head down. This is what I got to do different stepping up and making a play. We need to do an entire hour on just like the proper way for families and parents and coaches to approach youth sports, not just baseball. I mean, all these sports, because, uh, we've all seen examples of it not going the way it should. And it's a disservice to the kids. And that, that is content that will be arriving on our site within the next couple of months. So we don't want to speak just to the kids. We want to give, you know, an outlet for the coaches, uh, to help them, you know, especially for the dads that have no experience. Um, but we want to also talk to the parents, like, how do you best support your kid? And Hey, let's be honest. How do you best act towards your kid? How can I best behave as a parent of a youth ball player? It's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard. And I, I mean, I hope that in 20 years when Graham's listening to this, he's like, yeah, dad, you treated me good out there. I, I don't know. Um, we don't, we don't know what's right and wrong. We just try to do the best thing for him. My, my whole thing every year is I want them to want to come back and play again. That is the first thing I tell my parents each year that I've coached. I have two goals. I want them to learn and have fun. And I want them to beg you to sign up for next year when the season ends. And not, and and not say, oh, I've got practice. Right. Um, which, you know, fortunately, you know, that's something that, that we're, we're still, we're still moving along good. So um, what I love about the platform, I love a lot of things about it, but, you know, we're always on our phones looking for like videos on YouTube or videos somewhere instructional because a lot of us are just dads that really don't know the best way to teach things and don't know the right drills to run. So if you can provide that instruction to a coach, like on day one of his season, that's a huge pressure or a huge relief off of his back. Well, and that's what we set out to create is where can I go to find specific drills that I want to find? Uh, when you go to YouTube and I've done it a million times, you're searching, you finally find the right, uh, channel and then you're searching through 150 more videos because you can't find the one that you want. So ours are curated in a way that makes it easy to filter. I want to look for throwing drills that emphasize this. I want to look for drills that I can do at home. So I want to get my kid in the backyard, get him off his, uh, TV or his, uh, you know, PS4, what PS, what are we up to now? PS7? I don't know, but I don't know any kids on TV on iPads now. <laughs> True. Like, What's a TV? True. Uh, and get them out in the backyard and practicing. Uh, and so it's, you know, again, it's just an emphasis for these kids um, to be able to work themselves, you know, figure out some things on their own with some instruction. Uh, we've got some really cool features that are going to be released, uh, you know, in the next couple of months uh, to allow us to work more directly with individual players through our platform. Uh, so we got, we got a lot of good things going. It's a pretty exciting time. Awesome. I can't wait to see it grow. Uh, 
<laughs> I didn't mean to take a, an Austin Riley, you know, comment and turn it into you know, qu- quizzing you about standout, but I think you handled it really well. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll we take the commercial time. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, while we're on a commercial, I mean, <laughs> so online is the presence. People can find a website. I can, I can post it, you know. Yeah, standoutbaseball.com. Standoutbaseball.com, right. They, 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 they can go and find all they need. I do want to have you come back, bring Kevin, and let's do a whole oh, thing, sure. like, like dedicated to talking to parents and coaches because, God, it is, it is something that – um, just relates to so many people and it's so important. So, so, you know, golf, golf clap to y'all for doing it. I do want to talk. Is there anything else, uh, anything else about the Braves we didn't hit? Cause I want to talk a little about the one Matt Olson comment. Okay. He is going to crush balls into the chop house. We never even talked about the change from Oakland to Atlanta. Oakland and I think stadium the stadium huge. just sits so perfectly for that swing. He's going to kill that brick wall. Um, yeah, and he's going to deposit ball. Coors Light to be flying everywhere with it, with his balls coming out. And also keep in mind that the foul territory in Oakland is huge. So who knows how many mm-hmm. balls he you know were foul balls that um, were caught that now will just be foul balls. So uh, I mean, I think that if he gets a slash line of like in the two seventies, thirty five, one hundred, one ten, like that's I mean Freddie was three hundred, but I'll take that all day, all day long. All right, awesome. All right, so. The collective bargaining agreement. I do want to talk a little bit about that because I know that you're a um, you're a baseball purist, right? I consider myself a baseball nerd. A nerd, traditionalist, purist, nerd. I think all those kind of come together. There's there's some changes now, um, in, in what have come up. I mean, I think that when we talk about the finances of it, um, you know, this competitive balance tax, which is their version of a of a salary cap, which is really just a way to penalize teams from spending too much. Um, you know, that went from 210 to 230. It's going to go up more than that. I, I, you know, I actually think, and I'm sure they thought about this, but I think that when, with the goal being to have it um, level the playing field, I think it actually did the opposite. I think it's, it's giving teams that want to spend all this money, it, get, it gives them more incentive, more incentive to do so because they're going to be taxed less. So I'm not so sure that's going to solve the problem they're trying to solve. Yeah, I don't know. I look at the numbers, and that, that's, a, that's a lot of money to be talking about. Um, I, I do get the idea and the concept of it, right? We want teams to compete. We don't need teams to tank for four years um, and not go after these guys. I think by pushing that number up, players can now make more. That's right. right. So the, the, the payrolls are going to go up in theory. Uh, so I get the concept of it and why the players wanted it. Um, we'll the, see how it plays out. The question is going to be which clubs actually spend I mean, this year, the Dodgers are the only ones that exceeded it. You're, the Mets are going to exceed it. The Yankees will. Um, but the Royals and the Mariners and the, you know, Rays, like they're going to spend, they're going to spend. And so you're just giving the ability for the big boys to spend that much more. So we'll see. We'll see. But it was important to the players. Um, they got this pre-arbitration pool, which I think is great. It's a way to reward, like, the top talent um, at a young age, um, like Vladimir Guerrero, you know, he, he, he was great, but because he was not eligible yet for free agency, he had a low contract. Well, he would get a bonus this year based on that. So that's cool. Minimum salary increased. Um, you know, it went from what, 570 to like north of 700. I've always joked about this. So the, the, the worst player in Major League Baseball is going to make $780,000. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, in five years, I make $700,000. Oh, yeah, now. you know what I mean. Um, you know, but, I mean, to get there, I mean, you know this as well as anybody. It's, it's a couple years in college. It's a couple years in the, you know, in the minors. Um, and then once you get there, you're in your mid-20s for, for most people. Well, and if you look at minor league 
paychecks. They get nothing. They get nothing. They get nothing. And, uh, and the, a lot of the information that came out this year with some of these articles, you know, talking about the, the lifestyle or lack of lifestyle, really, that these minor league players have to endure. Like, I have no issue with those guys getting paid once they get there. I would actually like to see the minor league players, you know, they're not union represented, so they really have no voice in any of this uh, to be able to make more money. Because, it, I mean, you look at most of these guys, they're not coming up in a year or two. You know, they're getting drafted out of high school at 17, 18. They're not making their major league debut if they're great until 22, 23. And then we, we just got finished talking about by the time you're 30, no one's going to pay you. Right. So it's I get small it. Window. I get it's a yeah. small window and only the best of the best really are able to take advantage of it. So, I mean, if, if you say I'm am I team owner, my team player, I'm team for the player to get as much as they can, you know, and I'm, and I'm for the, the clubs making as much money as they can off revenue. And I'm, and I'm, I guess I'm team fan. Brad Glenn introduced me to that team fan where I just want them to play baseball. I was going to say team consumer team, right? Consumer. Fan, yeah. Right. Because we're the ones that are footing the bill for this, like without the interest and guys like you and me sitting here talking about this and our kids, you know, having an interest in this, like these guys aren't making anything, owners or players. So I was glad to see him compromise on these things and not let this drag on because this could have ended horribly. Do you think that baseball has a black eye currently or people have moved on and say, we're getting 162. They figured this out. We're good. I haven't thought about it since Freddie Freeman moved, right? I mean, to me, we're in such an age of the news cycle. As long as those games are being played, like nobody's even going to remember that first week had to get reshuffled back into the season. That's a great point. The news cycle's moved on. Now it's south, Now it's free agency. Now it's first game. And you're right. No one's going to, whether it's April 1st or April 8th, as long as it adds up to 162, because baseball, you know, is, is one sport that loves its tradition. It loves its numbers. It loves, you know, being able to compare this season to one in 1970. And so if you had a 152 game season, it would just look weird. Mm-hmm. The numbers would just look weird. It's definitely a game of stats. One of the reasons I love it. So I'm glad to see that they were able to fit in the whole thing. All right. So I don't know what your answer is going to be on this. So we'll see if we agree or don't. Um, universal DH in both leagues. What you got? How long do I have? Uh, well, less than three minutes. I don't like it. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to like it. No, I like I, it. See, we, we can disagree. <laughs> There's one, finally. No, I, I'll say this. I appreciate it. Like Baseball is facing a changing uh, demographic of fans. Games are getting so long. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of your more casual fans, like to these, you know, talking about Austin Riley, and movements like 1% of the people at the stadium are paying attention to that. They're there to have fun. They're there to see some bombs, uh, and, and just really enjoy the experience, the social experience and baseball's, you know, it's in some ways always been that way. So I can totally appreciate the move. Um, I love the strategy that is interwoven into pitchers hitting and having to make decisions late in games about pinch hitters. Um, you know, I was thinking about it on the way over here. I mean, one of my favorite teams of like when I was really young, the late eighties, uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, McGee, Vince, Vince Coleman, Coleman Ozzie McGee. Smith, Terry Pendleton, Tommy Hurt. These guys would pound the ball on the ground, get on base. We'd steal second. We'd move them over. We'd get them in. And for a, for a baseball nerd like me, that's cool. Yeah, that's to not the way the game's fans, played anymore. They don't want to see it. They so I get it. That. I get it. So I'm, I can support it. I like the DH. I'm going to um, miss Max Fried on the mat. Or I, I, yeah, he hitting. was a, he, someone that could hit. I mean, I, I got tired of these pitchers getting up there and having no desire whatsoever True. to hit. I mean, I feel like back in the day, Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin, they at least took some pride in it. They had some some betting amongst them about it. But the people now, like, they don't care. Um, Chicks, I don't, I don't want them to getting hurt, frankly. I don't want to run the risk of them getting hurt. I, you, if, you, if you tell me four times a night I get to watch Solaire hit versus four times a night watching pitcher and or a DH, like – I mean, excuse me, or, or a pinch hitter. Sure. 
I'm going Solaire. Now, bench players just got demoted in terms of their value on a team because the pinch hitter is not going to be as needed as much. I think double you'll switches see, aren't. Well, gonna be. I think you'll see more defensive-minded uh, reserves. So guys that can step in, play late in, like you got a two-run lead, you know, like until Acuna gets back, if Rosario is out there in center, okay, we can get Heredia to go out there and patrol the spot, you know, to to protect that lead. So you'll see a lot of that happening. Uh, expanded playoffs. Are you one of these guys that wants it to be just four or six, or are you okay with more people getting in? My opinion, I can be swayed either way, but I am not a huge proponent of expansion. Um, I think there's some good to it that it will keep teams in the mix. They want to stay competitive as opposed to trading off all their assets, you know, and try and stay. And that's good for the fans. And that's good for the fans of these teams that are right around 500. I mean, look at the Braves last year. Like who would have thought they would have made that run? Um, as far as the, the playoffs go, I mean, you look around at baseball versus the other sports, uh, the average, and I, I don't know the exact average. Let's just say in football, your average division winners, 13 and three. You know, they're at a 750, 800 winning clip. Basketball is about the same. The baseball division winners are typically around 600, 610, because there's so much more parity in the game. And it's also about the pitcher. Like, you can play the worst team, and if they've got their best guy on the mound. So what's going to happen is it's going to create more parity in the champions. It is going to be much harder to stay on top because of that nature of these of more series and, and that's just the way baseball the way different. baseball is i mean you're gonna have i'll use the dodgers again as an example because i hope this happens to them um <laughs> you know they'll win 100 games this year or 98 or 102 whatever um but with more teams getting in you know if if, if they've got to run through more opponents and they hit that buzzsaw or that big pitcher like there's a better chance of them getting knocked out it's gonna be harder as you just put it for the best teams on paper or record-wise to make it all the way through. And, and baseball is always considered, oh, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? There's 162-game season. This really de-emphasizes being the, the best in the regular season. It, it emphasizes does. being ready for the postseason. It does. It absolutely does. It, uh, some, some say it penalizes unfairly those teams that were dominant in the, post- in, the, in the regular season because it doesn't put them on that big of an advantage in the, in the postseason. Well, in the current format, they, each top seed would get a bye, Correct. You know, I don't. I, I've I've seen a few different ways they're going to do it, but yes, they get a buy. There's some wild cards that play each other, maybe in like in a one game or a best of three. They got to figure all that out. Um, but I'm I'm not in favor of a division winner getting potentially knocked out in a one or three game series Agreed. by a wild card. I think totally that that just leaves too much up to chance. Mm-hmm. It's you know a funny bounce here, a weird call there. All right, uh, I don't know your answer to this either, though I think I know what it's going to be. Um, one of the other rule changes was essentially saying that. The, the defensive shift is going to be banned, not this year, but the next. I don't like the shift. I, just, I don't like it at all. But at the same time, I don't like teams being told you can't do something. Like I've got a, I've got a big problem with somebody saying, no, oh, no, like we're just going to make up this rule. You have to stay on this side of the field. I think the hitters should be more adaptable to this. Like, okay, stop trying to hit the ball over the fence. I mean, that's one of the things I loved about Freddie last year. That dude, How many singles did he have to shortstop? that just rolled into left field. He's like, fine, you're going to shift me. I'm just going to hit it here. Um, I think it will improve the action on the field. Uh, I do, I do think it will have that effect so I can support it, but man, I just have a hard time saying, uh, you're not allowed you to, you have to that. play on a specific spot. on Yeah, this you can. It's so funny. It sound right. The, 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 the pitchers I follow on, on, on Twitter are so funny. They're like, uh, so now are you going to tell us we have to tell the batters like a fastball is <laughs> coming? You know I mean? They're, they're so funny. And I, I agree with them. I mean, like, 
if if you want to set your defense up in a manner that gives you you think the best opportunity to get a player out i think you should be able to do it if that's five outfielders if that's one infielder if that's whatever um and the hitters need to adapt and like you said freddie was but how many times we say it's like this is a big spot. Just hit a little ground ball to yes. third base. If it was only that easy, though, right? If it was only that easy. Only the Freddies of the world can do that. I, I, these guys are pros. They're getting paid millions of dollars. Practice it. Practice, learn how to bunt again. Like, if you got a third baseman that's playing behind second, learn how to bunt. Yeah, we'll see. All right, next one. <laughs> this one's kind of this one's kind of strange. Um, they they're increasing the size of the bases. And have you seen these pictures? Like it ain't a small increase. Like those suckers are going to be big. No, because you, you you see the measurements. Like oh, it's only three inches, but it's three inches each way or whatever. The, I mean, it's huge. It's like a table out there. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. It's uh, you know if, if they're saying it's a safety concern that it's going to keep people healthy, whatever. Um, if they're doing it so that it's harder to tag guys out, like that's make I don't I don't understand the logistics or the logic behind it. So I would have thought that you'd have said per your example of the 1980s Cardinals teams, like it's going to promote I think stolen bases and more small ball. Isn't that kind of the idea? Is that that the chances of getting a stolen base successfully increases because when you're sliding in, there's more surface area for your hand to get to not get tagged. So I think that's a thought a thought process behind it is that it reduces chance of injury and increases the the ability to steal steal a base. But the sabermetrics guys have already decided stolen bases are not worth it. What do you I think about sabermetrics guys? Oh, I just mean, did you say what do I think or what do I mean by that? What do you think? Well, you can explain what you mean yeah. for people that don't know, but then what do you think about it? No, I love analysis. I mean, that's been part of my uh, career ever since I got out of college was analytical work. And, you know, I, so I can appreciate where it comes from. Um, but I also think there's a human element to this. Yeah, because just talking like with this, with like talking about uh, hitters being able to go the other way. So these stat guys have figured out we're going to be better positioned if our shortstop is in between, you know, right in front of the right fielder. Okay, so then in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this ball to left. So I think there's a great place in the game for it. I think it's made it exciting. Uh, you know, you go to a Braves game now, you can look up in the left field and you can see spin rate, you can see exit velocity and launch angle. And I think it's, it's launched us into this really cool period where, you know, we get to see a lot of stuff that as kids, like what was launch angle? Never right? heard of it. Yeah. We were told swing on a level plane and hit a right. line drive. And these kids now have that little uppercut and you can launch it, launch it out. Um, that's good stuff. Uh, do you think we've gone over an hour so far? I think we're right at it. <laughs> I think, well, we might, we might we're two minutes we're, over. We're a little over. I said, I said, man, I said, you know, and I say this all my, I feel like I say this all the time, but it's so true. It's like, try to keep this in hours impossible. I will say this. Um, people ask me all the time, you know, who, who am I more passionate about, the Braves or Georgia football? And it's like choosing one of your children, like trying to say who you love more. Like I don't have one I love I love more. I think I'm more knowledgeable about the Braves just because I know the sport better. I played the sport, played the sport. There's more games to watch than football. Um, so I guess I'm more passionate when I talk about the Braves. So I'm enjoying every minute <laughs> this of this awesome. conversation. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, is, is the Braves your number one? Oh, for sure. Yeah, baseball guy, born here, really never left. You know, we got to see some of the most amazing times uh, during our childhood and growing in high school uh, in the 90s. So, yeah, it's... Um, you Who's know, your we, favorite Braves player of all time? Ron Gant. Surprise! I thought you were going to go Greg Maddox. Uh, he would be my favorite pitcher. I mean, I did, my, my first dog was By the way, Maddox. hey, pitchers are players. I didn't... Uh, yeah, so. But as a position guy, no, I, I appreciate that. But no, I grew up... I mean, so I was 12 years old back in 91 or 13, whatever. 
Ron Gant was such an integral part of that worst of first team and then the next couple of years. And I just love watching him play. I mean, he's the reason I wore number five. All so do you wake up at four o'clock in the morning and watch the day Atlanta? <laughs> no, but I do enjoy catching him uh, when I turn it on. He's, he's uh, very nice. Uh, got a nice voice to listen to there. That's awesome. Well, maybe what we'll do if people don't get tired of listening to us, maybe we'll have like a, you know, a recurring Braves just discussion over the summer, you know, about how they're doing and, and, you know, different parts of the way kind of give updates. Cause I could talk with you about this all day long, but we're going to, in the interest of time, unless there's anything else that you have about standout or about the Braves that we didn't hit that you feel is extremely important to talk about. Uh, I, I think we went through this, man. This, is, it's, it's been, uh, this has been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. Well, do keep doing your thing on standout. I know I'm gonna have a lot of my friends uh, probably ask me more about what you're doing. Um, I'll be happy to connect you with them. And, and cause I think that you're going to do great things with the, with the game of baseball and teach, our youth had to be better so we'd appreciate it keep going my friend yeah man thanks for coming and uh for everybody out there thank you for listening hope this excites y'all about raised baseball i know we're excited um be curious to see if y'all have differing opinions about the freddie matter though i think that the way we just described it is more in line with kind of the attitude of atlanta fans don't you think so oh yeah all right well thank y'all for listening uh if you enjoyed this please tell a friend and until next time keep chopping